Hi, everybody. This is Pastor Tim from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire. This is our weekly podcast of the sermon from the prior Sunday. Normally at this time, I have invited everybody to join us for worship at 8, 30, and 11. Uh, but right now we're in the midst of the global pandemic, and so we are not having worship in our building at 8, 30, and 11. Instead, you can find us online doing virtual worship using Zoom. You can find the information for all of that on our website at www.htelc.com. You can also like us on Facebook. And uh, those are the two primary ways in which to find our links to have worship with us. So it doesn't matter where you are, as long as you have an internet connection, you can join us for worship. So thank you for listening. We hope that you find the sermon meaningful and purposeful, that it connects to your life and how you interact with the world. And most of all, it reveals God's infinite love for you and all of creation. We continue our service with the gospel reading with Emily. Today's gospel reading is from Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 9. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them. And from the cloud there came a voice, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen, until after the Lord of man had risen from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you very much, Emily. Great job. So that's what this sermon is about. We continue on that theme of an epiphany about an epiphany um, that we've talked about last week. I want to preface something real quick. I try and uh, do a retelling of the story of an emperor has no clothes to make that connection. In my head, it makes sense. I hope it made sense as it came out in the sermon, this retelling of the emperor's, the emperor has no clothes. So... Uh, We'll see how it goes, but here we go. Today is Transfiguration Sunday, so you notice uh, altar cloths are white, the banners are white, because always on this Sunday, we get a scripture reading that bookends the season of Epiphany. If we began the season with the baptism of Jesus, and we heard the words, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Transfiguration closes it up again. And it says, and we hear the same thing. This is my son, the beloved, with a little change. Listen to him. So I almost feel like the way that the people who put together the lectionary uh, took some advice from fifth grade teachers who taught writing. How to write an essay. Maybe you learned this. I know I did, right? The introduction, tell them what you're going to tell them. Then you have the body, tell them what you want to tell them. And then you have the conclusion, tell them what you just told them, (laughs) right? Epiphany if it is, who is this child that was born? Baptism says it's the 
it's Jesus is God's son, my beloved. Then we get a bunch of readings that show how that is and the power that Jesus has. And then you get the transfiguration, comes in at the end and says, this is my son, the beloved. It's the conclusion. I'm going to tell you again what I just told you. But if you remember last week, we talked, I, I had an epiphany about epiphany. A different understanding about what the purpose of the season of epiphany is about. That it, is just, it isn't just about who is the child that was born. But instead, it's about what does this child reveal about the nature of who God is? What does Jesus say? about who God is. And I think that is what we need to hear because if it just settles in at the fact of who is, is Jesus God's son? The answer is yes and now, okay, what else does it mean? And that might have been a much bigger issue for people back then, 2,000 years ago. We don't have nearly that same... Uh, decision to make over it, I guess. The same uh, angst over Jesus being God's son. We just accept it, understand it more as a fact here in the church. What we need to be pushed on is what does Jesus being God's son say about who God is? You most likely know the story or the parable, the emperor has no clothes. The emperor has no clothes or the emperor's new clothes, right? So this is how it goes. The king loves fine clothing, cares more about clothing than anything else, doesn't go to any uh, meetings, doesn't ever visit the troops, doesn't do anything except put on clothes. In fact, it says if you need to find the king, you know where you can find the king? In the king's wardrobe. And just once the finest clothes. So two swindlers come along and say, we can make you the finest clothes. And they will be so fine, they'll be so great, that only those people who are worthy of their job, who are, or who are not fools, will be able to see the clothes. You bring us the finest materials and we will make them. And only people who are not fools or, or who are worthy of their jobs will be able to see these clothes. Long story short, they fool everybody. They take all the stuff they've been given. They stash it. They hide it away. They pretend to make these clothes. They pretend to dress the king as the king's still standing there in his underwear. And they step back and they say, oh, it's beautiful. And because nobody wants to be a fool... And nobody wants to think they're unfit for their job, including the king. They all say, oh, these are the most beautiful clothes we've ever seen. They are gorgeous. You did such a fine job, right? Everybody knows each other is lying. Everybody knows themselves are lying. But because nobody wants to admit that, everybody's afraid, everybody's insecure, including the king. They perpetuate the lie. So there's a big parade. The king's going to go out in the king's new clothes. And the crowds, oh, beautiful, gorgeous, everybody, right? Everybody says what they think they should say, except for one person, a child, who shouts out, 
but he isn't wearing anything, right? It's the child who is able to name what nobody else is able to name. The child is able to say, you're all lying to yourselves. The truth is, the emperor has no clothes. Side note, that child is a theologian of the cross. As Christians, with a Lutheran understanding of our faith, we are truth tellers. We've talked about this so much. We are able to call out the lies that we tell ourselves and expose the truth for what it is. That's what we're able to do. Be truth tellers. But I want to put a different spin on this, right? Because this whole story works because of everybody's insecurity. Everybody's insecurity. But what if the story went like this? The king wanted to go out. The king wanted to visit other countries. The king wanted to visit other uh, royal families. The king wanted to visit the people. And before the king went out the door, the people said, Whoa, king, you can't go out like that. Do you understand what you're wearing? The king's like, what do you mean? I'm just wearing my everyday, right? I'm wearing what you're wearing. And the people are like, no, you are the king. You can't go out and looking like that. You, do you know who you are? What are other people going to think? What are other royal families going to think? What are other people going to think? If they see our king dressed like that, we can't have it. You need to be dressed a certain way, present a certain image, so everyone thinks a certain way of you. And the king says, well, I really don't think so. I, no. And there's this argument back and forth. And the king finally relents and says, okay, do you mean something like this? And the king goes to a closet, pulls out his robe that was passed on from generation to generation to generation that nobody has ever seen before because nobody, no, nobody's ever worn it. It's so precious. It's so valuable. It's so beautiful. It just stays there. And the king really doesn't like it because it feels pretentious. It feels, look at me, right? It, it represents something that the king isn't. But the king takes it out and puts it on. And his royal subjects are, yes, that is, that is worthy of you going out. But the king says, no, that's not me. And the king takes it off, puts it away, and says, you can't tell anyone you saw it. And goes out the door and does all the visiting. And the people are left speechless. They saw what they wanted, but yet they can't tell anyone. I don't know if that fits perfect, but this is what I want to get at. The story that we just heard from Epiphany, at the end, right, we have the story of Peter, James, and John, and Jesus go up on this mountainside. Jesus transfigures into this white robe. Moses and Elijah appear. Peter's like, oh, it's so good that we're here. We need to stay and camp out. Make three dwellings for the three of you. 
And then Moses and Elijah disappear and just Jesus is left with them and says, no, let's go on our way. And as he goes down the mountain, he commands them to tell nobody what they saw. Why would Jesus tell nobody what they saw? Because that's not who Jesus is. The point of that story is not to say, look how great Jesus is and how powerful and beautiful and strong. The point of the story is to connect Jesus to the stories of the past. To connect Jesus to Moses and Elijah. To connect Jesus to those who have gone before, that Jesus is going to be the culmination of it. But that's not what Peter, James, and John want to see. They want to see this great, powerful being who's going to fulfill the promises of the Messiah that they, in the way that they want them fulfilled. Strong, mighty, powerful ruler who can go and do these great things that nobody else can do. And Jesus says, that image you have is not who I am. Yes, we're going to go out and do things that people say can't be done, but it's not going to be the way that you think it is. The way of Christ is the way of the cross. The way of Christ, when Jesus comes down, the way of Christ is humility. The way of Christ is sacrifice. The way of Christ is actually what the rest of the world might say is shameful. The way of Christ is to identify with the lowly, the forgotten, the abused, the neglected. The way of Christ isn't that robe that comes out and look how beautiful it is and how great I am. The way of Christ is one of humbleness and love and gentleness that actually scorns power, that scorns not physical strength, but it scorns that kind of might that dominates. Too often we are people who want to, who want a different God. We want the God that dominates. But Christ is a different kind of God. And I think what God, Jesus is saying to Peter, James, and John, unless you see the full picture, right? It's better not to say anything because Jesus is going to come down that mountain and where is it his life going to lead him? It's going to lead him to the cross. It's going to lead him to death. It's going to lead to a place where nobody says the Messiah should end up. Right now, Peter, James, and John have this vision that is, they want to be reinforced that doesn't have anything to do with the cross and so they only know part of the story. And Jesus is saying, gosh, guys, that's not me. The way of me is the way of the cross. I think that's what so much of Epiphany is about. Not just Jesus is God's son, 
but what does it reveal about who God is? Amen.